You can be the best cheesemaker in the world with the best equipment um, ever. If your milk at the beginning is not right, there is no way you can do something interesting. My name is Dan Sims and welcome back to the Mole Cheese Collective podcast, where we speak to the makers, growers, farmers and families who just happen to make the best cheese in Australia. Today, we chat with the team from Long Paddock Cheese, Alison Lansley and Ivan Larcher. Located in Castlemaine, Victoria, it is not only home to the production side of Long Paddock Cheese, but it is here that they have developed one of Australia's first cheese schools, dedicated to offering a range of small-scale business-related education, as well as training for cheesemongers, regulators, home cheesemakers, and of course, cheese lovers. Alison is a long-time supporter of the Australian cheese industry and is secretary of the Australian Specialty Cheesemakers Association, ASCA, and she's the key driver behind this project. Alongside her is Ivan Larcher, the key to the education side of the school and, of course, head cheesemaker at Long Paddock Cheese. He shares some great stories of his journey from France to Castlemaine. Long Paddock were all set to make their debut at the Melbourne Mold Festival. However, due to, you know what, uh, we all have to wait a little longer to meet them face to face. However, so many of you had the opportunity to taste their cheese thanks to many of the festival boxes that we were shipping throughout August. We are a big fan of all that they do and we know you will be too. So let's get into it. Alison Lansley and Ivan Larcher, welcome to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast. How are you both going? Very well, indeed. Thank Very you. Well done. Thank you. Now, this is uh, going to be a really interesting and also exciting podcast, being that we've got the both of you here and Already I have a ton of questions uh, because there is so much to discuss. Um, We've got to talk about long paddock cheese, which I have to say is fast becoming one of my favourite cheeses, uh, which we've been doing with the uh, festival cheese boxes. Uh, I've eaten so much of it. But then also we want to talk about the cheese school uh, in Castlemaine. And uh, there there is just so much here and uh, I'm all – probably saying that as almost like caveat uh, to the listeners here that we are gonna have to do this in two parts because there is a lot to discuss but what I thought we'd do just to kick things off and I'm not sure who might want to start this is perhaps tell us a little bit about long paddock cheese and how that came to be sure why don't I just start off there um and you're absolutely right Dan there's there's an awful lot to this project and quite deliberately, it's more than just making and selling beautiful cheese. It's it's all about raising consciousness in Australia of Australian artisan cheese and and helping those who make it and sell it to do that side of it better. So it's been a long time in the planning um, for Yvonne and, and myself. We, we are business partners in this together with Yvonne's wonderful wife, Julie, and um, we've been working together f- for quite a long time because Yvonne has consulted to the Australian Specialist Cheesemakers Association over the last several years. Um, and then for several years, we've been planning this. So, you know, originally it was just a twinkle in the eye and we had all these great ideas. And then, of course, you've got to execute on the ideas. So lots had to happen first. Um, and Yvonne can talk more more about this, but he and Julie had a uh, a beautiful small-scale dairy farm and, and farmhouse cheese-making operation in France, and they 
had, had to sell that. Um, then they finally decided, yes, we are going to move to Australia with their young children, which is a huge step for them. Um, uh, so organising, you know, visas and schools and, and then there's the whole business side of it itself. So designing and then building the fromagerie, which Yvonne has been the key designer for that, as well as doing so much else. And, of course, the designing and building the cheese school, working out what the equipment should be, finance, business plans, um, sourcing our milk supply, very, very important and took a long time to work out the right place to go to for that. And then, of course, everything that goes with the business from there on. But so several years Several years indeed. Uh, so tell me, Ivan, you have an amazing story of cheese making in France. How did you come to bring your family out to Australia and then settle in Castlemaine? Well, it's um, like Alison just mentioned, it, it's been a few years of thinking. Well, what I would like to, to add on the, the history of Paddock is that initially the, the target was to set up a cheese school um, to be able to provide artisan um, trainings, classes for artisan cheesemakers uh, down in Australia. So I've been teaching all over the world uh, for the last almost 20 years. And the project initially in here was to build a cheese school where we could deliver um, practical and dedicated classes for artisan cheesemakers. But having uh, taught all over the world in many different schools, most of the time it's just in a school, and then at the end of the day, you toss the cheese, the, you just play with a bucket of milk, and, and then the next day you start again. And there is no real connection most of the time in those schools. There is no connection with with the real life of a cheesemaker. This is where the long paddock is coming from. The We decided, aside beside the, the cheese school, that we needed to have a production facility where the students coming to the cheese school could also go to the to a real life um, to a real cheese making operation so that when we do classes in here they can we go also and make cheese together in a fully licensed uh, facility where um, the, well, the the participants can have a be- much better idea about the, the surface the equipment the layout um, all the, the hygiene, the food safety, all the, the, the admin part of it, um, as well as uh, understanding more the, the day of a cheesemaker in the production facility. No, no. And then this, um, the, the location into Castlemaine was um, when we discussed with Carla and Anne-Marie from uh, Holy Goat that are uh, partners also in the project. They, uh, they told us that there were a fantastic site in Castlemaine called The Mill that had some rooms available for us to, to rent. And then we came and visited, uh, I would say, four or five years ago now. And then we decided that this would be the place for us to be. It goes without saying that Castlemaine is an uh, incredible uh, town uh, in Victoria uh, and almost like a, it's a real culinary destination. There is so much amazing things out there. Alison, maybe a question for you, being that you've been involved in the Australian cheese community for a number of years, and in particular with your involvement with the Australian Specialty Cheesemakers Association. How important do you think it was to have, for Australia to have an actual cheese school? And, and what was there prior to what you're doing there in Castlemaine? Well, this is, this is the thing, Dan. So when I, 
I, I had a very different career up until about, well, it's getting on for 10 years now, but, um, and uh, where I was a lawyer, a corporate lawyer, and um, amazing skills training that's available in that kind of profession and lots of other professions. And I, this is my area of particular interest. So after retiring from that, I came into this industry to help with the association, the Australian Specialist Cheesemakers Association. But what really shocked me was how little training, skills training and other types of training was available for people working in this area, whether it's cheesemakers or cheesemongers um, or even just people wanting to know more about cheese. It was so little. I really was completely shocked. And when I, st and I started actually looking around the world, and that's where I first came across Yvonne, um, I did a course with him, in fact, in England of all places where he was teaching at the time. Um, so there's really, it's, it's just a, a matter of history. We don't have the culture that Europe has um, in, the, in the food area and particularly in the cheese area. Um, we do in the wine area much more so, and that's been a, that's a whole story on its own, as you know. And what I would love to see is that the Australian artisan cheese industry becomes more, much more like what's happened with Australia's boutique wine industry. Um, so it's just seemed to me that uh, we have we have to do something, and nobody else was really prepared to do it when I went and talked to the various people involved in what I call big dairy, um, they really weren't interested. So um, hence it, we ended up doing it ourselves. And I knew that Yvonne was the key for teaching here because he has done this all around the world and um, he is in huge demand. In fact, everybody's terribly, everybody in the rest of the world is terribly upset that he's here in Australia. But... Um, uh, although he does still do some consulting to, to overseas, obviously now at long distance. So we decided we needed to do it ourselves and Yvonne is key to it. We could not do it without him. Um, and it's going to take quite a while because our school is very small and we deliberately have very small classes. So it's going to take quite a while, but we're gradually building it up and um, we think it is the way that people um, can develop skills in all aspects of cheesemaking, not just cheesemaking itself but everything around it, um, in particular to do with uh, farming and the need for really high-quality cheesemaking milk and what needs to happen at that level, as well as, of course, all the marketing and business aspects that need to be, that, that people need to grapple with. So, um, and then we're also going to be doing a lot of uh, a lot of classes that will be of interest to people who don't necessarily want to become professional cheesemakers themselves, but are just interested to, to learn a lot more. Um, home enthusiasts, um, uh, people who just want to learn how to appreciate and, uh, and know a lot more about cheese, how to match it with other types of food and, and beverages. Um, as well as teaching those involved in in selling the cheese, the cheesemongers and, and retail, and so many other plans that we have. It's incredible vision uh, to to have that school. And I think it's been interesting having the multiple conversations with through the podcast and also through the festivals. Talking with cheesemakers was when they were starting out that it was it was a very small 
industry uh, and from small things, big things, big things grow. But to not necessarily have a, a singular cheese school, it almost feels like it's Australia is almost ready as that as that next step. Um, seeing that the uh, from from my humble uh, observation or, or looks uh, of the industry as a whole is that you know Australian cheese is sort of grown artisan cheese network is growing, but it needed something like the school to really almost take it to that next level, um, uh, and to because there is such enthusiasm. Uh, out there for Australian cheese at the moment, which is incredible, uh, to have something there as a as a point to encourage the next generation uh, of cheesemakers uh, is is vital. Exactly, exactly, Dan. Uh, that's that's very much our thinking as well, and uh, we don't want to be the only ones doing this, and and uh, so we really hope that uh, you know there'll be a, a kick on effect at all different levels. Um, whether it's to do with with skills training, but also uh, the, the the type of equipment that is available to people. Again, Yvonne, I think, has been quite taken aback about how little suitable equipment there is available to cheesemakers in Australia. That's yeah, completely true. And there is a there is um, a threat that's coming on the, the dairy industry at the moment is that what we see in Australia, and not only Australia, but the farm are getting bigger and bigger. The dairy farm are now massive. Like the average farm in here is something like 300 cows, which where in France, the average size is 60 cows. But in here with 300 cows, of course, you need buildings, you need equipment, and you need a lot of surface. For, um, to be able to, to, to feed those, this number of cows. Um, what will happen when the, this generation of dairy farmers now will retire? We are approaching this, um, what the threshold where there is less and less. Well, all the dairy farmers are getting, well, aged like everybody else. But are their, um, siblings or, um, relatives able to buy the farms? Considering that they are getting bigger and bigger, the price to buy a farm now in Australia is crazy. It's impossible for a young couple that wants to be farmer and that have a dairy project. It's impossible to continue like that. So what will happen is either these farms will disappear and will be consolidated into even bigger, bigger farms, or, or we can provide um, solutions for um, a family owned farm that is going to be able to create value-added on the farm by processing their milk and transforming their milk into an artisan product. But realistically speaking, there is not a single bank that will follow a young couple now if they ask to borrow $5 million or $8 million to produce milk when we see the financial aspect of it. It's, it's a complete nonsense. So what, what those farms will become? What will happen? So we need to have the tools for them when when this um, wave will be coming. We need to have the tools in here to be able to uh, provide knowledge to those young aspiring uh, dairy farmers that want to continue living on the farms. It's certainly a challenging time, and for for everyone in particular, dairy and to be able to diversify uh, well the the income streams uh, to help keep these farms sustainable yeah it's critical because yeah without them 
I, I don't want to be. <laughs> I don't want to be in a world without uh, without uh, without farms. So Ivan, tell me, um, how did you get into cheese? Where where did this all start? What 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 made you decide to go down this journey? Good luck or bad luck, but uh, what I do remember <laughs> is the, when I was very young, I felt into my grandfather's uh, milk tank in Normandy. So my grandfather was a, a, a dairy farmer processing a little bit of milk, 25 cows, raw for Normandy, uh, camembert. This sounds, sorry, this sounds like the start of a, of a cheese superhero movie. I, I love this. <laughs> Every kid want to touch the milk by bending over in the ball tank, and of course I felt him. <laughs> And my brother took me out so that I remember that. But I was very young then later on. So I graduated from a science, science degree and I wanted to continue into food. So applying the science to food. And there is mainly three main topics with that. It's uh, wine, dairy or meat, fermented meat and wine. Um, it's very expensive, um, curses. Was very expensive class um, in France and very closed um, uh, system. Meat, uh, I like eating. I like eating factory and sausage, but uh, to make it every day. So I decided to go to cheese and find my uh, path into the the cheese. So I graduated from the National Dairy School in '99, and then since then I've been traveling and working for different, very large or very small. Um, dairy-related operations, so ingredient manufacturers or cheesemakers uh, directly being farmstead or um, or industrial or artisan, whatever you, you, you call it. And uh, we decided with my wife, so I've been consulting for the last almost 20 years, uh, providing technical supports and classes for um, small, medium, and some large factories worldwide. And we decided to have our own dairy farm uh, in France in central France with my wife, farm that we have sold um, two years ago to be able to make this project come true. I've got one very simple question to ask you. What makes really good cheese? Uh, the question is very simple. The answer is very complicated. But we have to consider that milk is 90, first of all, milk is 98% of the ingredient of the cheese. So if 98% of your ingredients are not exactly where it should be in terms of quality, there is no way that you can make great quality cheese. So milk, the milk is a vector of, um, of emotions and farming practices. Everything that's being done in, on the farm, the way that you treat your animals, the way you feed them will, um, would show up in the milk in a good way or in a bad way. But um, so then you have to start with this milk to be able to process it into some some milk. They have absolutely no cheese making ability, and some milk are much better than than others. So milk is not just milk. Milk is a very complex um, complex product, and that this is where we have a lot of work to be done in here is to produce a cheese-making milk and not only a white liquid that we'll put into bottles. Um, so we have to start with great quality milk. Then we need some equipment, knowledge, some time, investment, some cash as well, because it's a very expensive um, um, industry to start with. But fundamentally speaking, the milk. You can be the best cheese-maker in the world with the best equipment um, ever, if your milk at the beginning is not right, there is no way you can do something interesting. 
It's uh, so true indeed. Well, let's talk about cheese and uh, maybe maybe Alison, tell us about Long Paddock Cheese, I suppose, the brand. And Ivan, I'd, I'd get you to maybe talk us through uh, so the cheeses that you're currently making and selling to the public. And um, I asked that being that we were so excited because we were going to – we will finally get to meet you, see you in person, see you at the festival, and of course, due to you know what, <laughs> we've had to postpone. But what's been wonderful is to see the our, our audience's responses about the festival boxes, and we've had the cheeses involved uh, in those boxes, and I, I am I, I find them so fascinating, so <laughs> and and delicious. Maybe if you just tell us a little bit about um, the, the brand Long Paddock Cheese and and what uh, what you're currently producing. Of course. Why don't I talk about the brand and then hand over to Yvonne to talk about the, the cheeses themselves. So um, we uh, we make just at this stage um, cow's milk cheese. Uh, we source it is actually very good quality milk and we're working with the farmer to make it even better. It's certified organic cow's milk from a smallish um, family-owned farm not too far from us, a little bit further than we'd like, but they're absolutely the right farmers for us, so that's why we chose them. And we decided that we were going to create Long Paddock Cheese to show uh, both to obviously produce beautiful cheeses that people want, and Yvonne will talk about what we're we're focusing on, what we're making, Um, but also for our cheese school students to be able to come through and to see how we're doing it. And we want to be very open about this. We, we do firmly believe that an industry like this can only really thrive and the players in it can only thrive if there's a lot of collaboration and communication. And so we do want others to learn from us and that's both in the school but also looking at what we're doing, the equipment we do it with, um, so we're based here in Castlemaine in central Victoria um, with our farm being a little bit further north of us. We bring the milk, uh, the farmer's father, in fact, brings the milk down to us and um, then we are producing a range of both soft and semi-hard cheeses. Now, we've got all sorts of plans about the cheeses we'll be making both now and in the future but we're trying to concentrate on just just a few at this stage. And, of course, what we're now doing, despite COVID or, um, you know, in the middle of COVID, is trying to introduce these cheeses to the market. Um, And I'm learning a huge amount about that, (laughs) about how you actually get your cheeses to market. And that's where, you know, the Mould Collective has been fantastic and the Mould Festival, when it is able to operate again, will also be wonderful um but getting the cheeses to market is 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 a a multifaceted and difficult exercise nevertheless we have found ways to do that despite covid and we have had a huge response to it so where the cheeses we're making yes they are in the french style and yvonne will talk about that although a couple that we're working on will be in the english style but um french Cheese making basics, but with a very much an Australian identity. So, Long Paddock, of course, I won't go into it in detail, but Long Paddock, for those of those people who are as old as I am, remember is the phrase that is used about the 
the cows being driven by the drovers up through New, through Victoria and into New South Wales and from New South Wales into Queensland um, in times of drought when the only grass that was really available to them was the grass that lies between the fence and the road, and that's the long paddock. Now, in our case, long paddock is all about the length of this journey for us, the fact that we've brought Yvonne and Julie from the other side of the world um, and the fact that we're trying to really build something uh, with this artisan cheese industry here in Australia. And that's a, it's going to be a very long process. It's deeply satisfying um, and rewarding, but it is going to be a very long, long process. But then with our cheeses, we're, we want them to have a real Australian identity. So we've chosen botanical and geological names for them. Um, and sorry, Yvonne. That, that we will encounter on, on the journey. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'll my, hand over to Yvonne now to talk about the actual cheeses we're, we're making and that people, if they seek them out, uh, should be able to find. We hope that we'll have a lot more sources where people can get the cheeses from in the not-too-distant future. I'll hand over to Yvonne. Yeah, so like I said previously, the, the Long Paddock Cheese um, Company is uh, the technical body for the cheese school. And having this uh, this in mind, we we decided that Long Paddock Cheese should be uh, producing a, a large diversity of product because we are going to use this product as a teaching element when the when the, the participants to the cheese school will come. So, of course, because we want to use it as a pedagogical tool, we have to have cheese that belongs to the the, the most diverse um, technological uh, recipes as possible. So we start with a lactic um, a lactic family that's the long fermentation one. So in this family, our cheese is the silver water and the black water. So it's a it's a lactic cheese, fresh. Um, it's long fermentations, but a short um, short aging. So it's a cheese that's usually consumed after three to six weeks um, of aging. So it's a fresh product. Most of the time, this is the technology that's used to produce uh, goat's milk cheese, but we do it with cow's milk. And I, sorry, I really enjoyed that cheese. And again, as you said, historically done as a gauchism, which is something that I, I, I learned. Uh, but I, I really loved it. I was just, I was having hunks of it and putting it on crusty bread and or eating, get it, get it. But maybe I'm saying too much here, but I was just pretty much dipping a spoon in it and just eating it. It was delicious. Yes, well, this is this is a product that that changed a lot during this uh, its um, aging profile. So if you get it like a three or four weeks old, it's still kind of a um, fudgy and a little bit crumbly with more sourness and, and citrusy uh, flavor. But the more it aged, the creamier and softer it gets. So when it's very close to the best before date, it's a great cheese to put on on a toast, a slice of bread with um, olive oil and pepper and of salt and rosemary and just 20 minutes in the oven let it melt and that's a perfect dinner and so that's a cheese that can be consumed completely different uh, differently or different ways according its age so that's that's a very versatile uh, product so, so so how many cheeses in total are you making under the long paddock brand? I, i've lost track really but <laughs> nine nine or ten products 
But having said that, so we've got um, like 70% of our production is into uh, the silver water, so the lactic, banksia, and driftwood. So we've got three cheeses that are realistically um, uh, representing 70, 80% of our production. Then we've got other cheeses that are um, in minority. But the, the, the water... Yes. Yeah, the, the driftwood, um, again, uh, was the saying you were recommending almost like baking it? Uh, and But I, I had it on its own and it was so oozy. It was just like in that lovely eating window uh, that was so – was so. I basically put it on the plate and it just, just – it was – the smell and the flavour and the texture, it was – and like as you saying, there was there was something uniquely Australian about a bit of uh, of French influence, and if that's sort of my my uh, humble explanation of of having your your cheeses. And I think uh, what I'd love to do, yeah, is I, I really want to ask some very technical questions in regards to how you make the cheeses, uh, in particular, what does French style mean in Australia. Um, but I might just uh, hold on to that <laughs> for, for another well, for another time. There is there is no not one answer to that, but uh, different ones. But one of the characteristics of our product, and particularly the soft cheese, is that we are not going to produce uh, penicillium oriented uh, cheese. You see all those white soft uh, cheeses. Um, the the main reason being. Um, if you go to the supermarkets and buy 10 different cheese with 10 different brands, you just remove the paper and try to find who's who. It's impossible. There is not enough diversity and not enough identity in this type of cheese. And we decided to go, uh, well, to stay away from this type of product, like what's called the brie, double brie, triple brie, and, uh, and camemberts. This is not what we want to make. We want to make first an Australian product with Australian cheese and Australian techniques with, um, in a way, a little bit of a French influence in the sense that those cheese will be more um, rustic and will be maybe more challenging for some customers that are not used to uh, to different type of product, but they can they will be different. They will be different and... Um, this is really where we want to create identity. And I just encourage every cheesemaker to just boost their identity through their cheese. I couldn't agree more, Ivan. Let's talk about being uh, unapologetic Australian cheese and unique to where it's from. I think we are – I wholeheartedly agree with you about uh, celebrating uh, local and being unique and doing something that's really amazing and special. Um Alison and Ivan, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat to us. Uh, as I said, I really do want to uh, have you back on and talk more about the Cheese School in particular. It's incredible what you're doing, uh, the journey, uh, the long, <laughs> long paddock journey uh, is certainly uh, it's incredible, and we're so grateful to uh, have you involved. And I cannot wait uh, to get you in front of uh, the Mold Festival audience because I know they will respond in kind. So, thank you both for taking the time to chat to us on the Mold Collective podcast. Thank you very much. Dan. That's a great pleasure, Dan. And we would be delighted, and we really look forward to being at the festival as well. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening in to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast. 
If you'd like to hear more, we do hope you consider subscribing or even better, share it with your mates or via the socials. It all goes a long way to help us spreading the good word about Australian cheese. If you'd like to get in touch or have any feedback at all, please follow us at the socials at, at Mold Cheese or send us an email to hello at moldcheesefestival.com. We've got so many more conversations to come. So until next time, cheers.